right, guys, we're live here on the Ultra Human Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Deere, and today we have a very unique guest. Um, I'm not I'm, I'm not really well-spoken a lot about real estate, to be honest with you, but we have the mogul himself, John Delia. Is that how you pronounce your name? Delia. Delia. Dealmaker Delia. Dealmaker Delia. I love it. So you got to tell me a little bit about what you do, because you're not just like the typical real estate guy. And this is why I have you on. There's a million people that do real estate. Every day I got cards dropped off, shit in my mailbox, yeah. all this crap. But you're kind of a unique case because I want to first start off with this. You, I want to understand your philosophy of real estate, but you started out really young, and your dad did real estate, right? Correct. Okay, it was your dad. I mean, your dad seemed like a real kind of true entrepreneur. It, it, my dad's the the true stealth wealth entrepreneur that you, oh, wow. you don't know. So I, I like to you know give a spiel that I've been unconscious for a really long time. So I've always been around him, always been surrounded, always on construction sites. I don't think I've ever put two and two together. I don't think I ever realized, oh, this is his office. Oh, this is a construction site. Oh, I don't. It wasn't until probably like senior year or junior year in high school where things get rough and you gotta, you know, life starts to kick in and the money's not coming in like it used to, and you're like, oh my god, I gotta make money. And you know, when I look around at the competition of my friends who are really rich kids, you know, I'm like, oh my god, like, what did my dad do to put us here? What do you What do you mean by unconscious? Is he woken up unconscious? Unconscious. Like you're, just, you're kind of like not aware of like real life because your dad was just taking care of you. I was I was extremely sheltered, and I'd say in a good way, right. but in the sense that you know, some families, some kids, some people learn about money. They learn the concept of money. They learn about making money. They learn what their parents. I didn't know what my dad did for I don't know how long. Gotcha. Just no clue. So when I say I was unconscious, I was given a lot of money and hey, you know, go buy this, go buy that, get what you want. But it was never like, oh, here's how money. Here's how we make money. Here's what you do with. Like, there was no life lessons on money, and you got to grow up and save for a mortgage. And it was just unconscious in the sense that I was just living. I was just being protected and taken care of and, you know, prepared to be, gotcha. you know, to be an adult. So here's an interesting fact. You started when you were 20 or 21? 20. 20 just before my 21st birthday. And I found this fascinating because, I mean, I started my first business when I was 19. Okay. And, and it's a really young age. And there's a lot of disconnect with your high school friends. And even if you're in college at the time, your college friends with you saying, I'm going to go start this crazy business. I got this idea. And I really had to like separate myself um, from a lot of people at that time because mm -hmm. people didn't take me very seriously. So if you're a 20-year-old I mean, you can't even drink and you just got your driver's <laughs> license four years prior to yeah. that. And now all of a sudden you're saying, I'm going to go sell you a house or a piece of real estate. I mean, do people even take you seriously? I mean, people didn't take me seriously when I was 19. Um, uh, Definitely not. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, is it... So one, I'd say I was always going to be in business. You know, I, I, you know, I think take it to the high school level. I had to find ways to make money because my father was not giving me the money anymore. So it's like you have to find entrepreneurial ways to bring in capital. Um, by the time you get to college, it's a matter of, um, yeah, it's a matter of like certainty. You know, I, I think I told myself like I want to make a lot of money. I need to make money. So there was a great level of disconnection and separation and isolation. What is it? Isolationism in the sense that, you know, I moved from New York to Columbus, Ohio to learn how to make money. So my brash personality, the New Yorkness, I mean, I had to change and I had to be alone for a lot, you know, a little bit, a lot of it, you know? I, so let me ask you this. So, I mean, what's this? I mean, you're 20, you're 20 years old. I mean, you, you tie on cash. I mean, you, you mentioned starting a fund to be able to fund these deals. So, so I started a fund later in evolution. So one, I, I'm, I'm from Long Island, New York. 
So we lived in a in nearly a million dollar house. And I don't say that to brag, but I, I put it in context of when I was going out in high school and hanging with my buddies, on the weekend we'd go out to the city from Long Island. So you take the Long Island Railroad, you get a twenty dollar train ticket, then you get to the city and we're going to, you know, BBC, Bathing Ape and all those things. Oh, yeah. You'd wait in line. You go to the store to buy your $400 hoodie or your $300 shoes. And then you go to lunch at some fancy fucking restaurant. And I mean, that was the average weekend. Or you're going, you know, it's just keep, it's the ultimate keeping up in consumption. That was Long Island. So then when I left and came to Columbus because the trigger hit, oh, my God, I have to make money. Oh, my God, how did my dad make money? Just spending, you know, just purchasing power, just the way people live. Life is different. It's just different. Long Island is not like the Midwest. So I mean, why, why Columbus? Why'd you move here? I moved here because my father had um, a, a division of his company here, Big Land Properties, and I wanted a job to learn how to do real estate acquisition. Um, so, I had no immediate plan to go off to college right away, so gotcha. it's like I needed to make money or learn did, how. Did people find, like, because this is common as well, I mean, just, just from getting to know you, Please. you know, you have really busted your ass oh to get God. whatever you've had. Sure. Okay. You are 26 now? 26. She's 26 years old. I mean, this guy has busted his ass for six hard years. And, and even before you know, that, but that's when a, it started being tangible, but yeah. And your dad, you know, your dad's this big real estate mogul. I mean, you get some of these kids that are just like trust fund babies, right? Mm-hmm. But this wasn't the case. Did your dad basically put down his foot and say, look, I've got a multi-million dollar company. I'm not going to, I'm going to support my son and have him work for me, but I'm not going to like He's not going to become some fucking trust fund baby. Just, my, my father's a Haitian immigrant. I'm, you know, my family, like, is from Haiti. Like, Haiti is the most impoverished place in the, you know, Western Hemisphere. So, one, there is there is no, you know, my dad was the ultimate stealth wealth. I mean, I thought we were poor. I thought he was a bum. He would be home on the couch cooking dinner or watching TV. Like, everyone else's point. friends were getting picked up in a BMW and a Bentley and a Mercedes, and they were going off to order dinner and this and that. My dad was home. So one, I always thought he was a bum. So ultimate stealth wealth millionaire didn't didn't even validate who he was, didn't realize it. So it didn't click, that unconsciousness right. didn't click because of everyone else around you. But two, I think it's it's a matter of I'm going to give my sons and my family an opportunity. And if they choose that this can be a path for them or if they choose that they want to take this and make something of it, I'll give them a platform and I'll give them the experience to learn. But... It, it was never a sense of like, oh, I'm going to give you a bunch of money or I'm going to fund your first deal or I'll help you. I actually fired my father for my first deal. but You fired your I dad? I fired him. How'd you fire your dad? You know, so it's like I bought this. He helped me get the house. He helped me get the deal. He knew the realtor. He knew everyone. The deal came to me. Hey, you ready to buy a house? You want to buy a house? Do you have some money saved? Yeah, I want to buy a house. I'm ready. I'm going to do it. So getting ready to be my 21st birthday. I was still 20. Anyway... You know, so I bought the house. I paid full cash for it. Um, bought it full list price. It was sixty nine hundred dollars. You know, this was two thousand and nine, ten, post well beginning of the recession. I had just moved. You can buy a car in New York for that price. Right. I mean, but anyway, yeah. I mean, just you know. So I we get to the job site. So this was a rehab. It happened to be a double. Didn't even know it was a double, but it happened to be a double. And I get to the house the first day, and there is these mat. Mexican, Spanish people, there were, there were laborers, contractors on my roof giving me a new roof without my posi- permission. Didn't get to pick them, didn't know the price that was being paid, and one, I was scared because, oh, how much am I going to pay for this? But I was just pissed that I didn't get to participate. So I just flipped out. I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is my deal. This is my money. This is not your company. This is the reason I'm buying a house. I don't want to do it your way. I mean, you so I think I was, I was stubborn, I was naive, and I was just like, no, you're not allowing me to do it the way I want. And I don't want you to spend my money for me. I want to do it myself. I think a lot of times you have a situation where your parents can set you up and you just coast in and take over. I never wanted that. 
I just didn't. I wanted to be able to say, I wanted the respect. I was tired of not being respected. And the moment, it was like a violation. And even though he's my father, and in the long term, I recognize he had my best interest in mind. For me, I was like, no, you're fired, dude. Like, no, this is my house. You told him, you actually looked at your dad and said you're fired. In a nicer way, but dude, essentially got, it was just like, you're fired. Me. I mean, this isn't, you're, you're like the real deal fucking dude. You're dude, a straight business, man. Dude, but I ended dude. up, so the house, it was the ultimate culture shock. Like, I, um, one of my book, my book is called Gut Check, and it's about, oh my God, what every landlord won't tell you. Dude, I was on cloud nine when I bought the house, and it wasn't until, oh my God, I have to rehab two sides of a house. Contractors are cheating me. I'm losing money. I see my bank account, almost like when you're in the equities market, and you see it go from green to red, and it keeps going lower and lower, and you're like, oh my God, if I lose all my money, I got to go back with my tail between my legs and, like, and be humble. And not just be humble, but be a, be a bitch. Excuse my language. And I just didn't want that to happen. But anyway, I ended up selling the building 30 days later to the guy across the street because I just couldn't get the deal done. I couldn't get the I couldn't get it done. So, so let me ask this. Tell me a little bit about Gut Check, the book. Gut Check, the book. Working You're title, but is, so it's writing. We're in editors. It's 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 taken some time to get it out there, and just get it together, get it organized. Right. But it's just that experience of my first property. What, what's happening now is I have the blending of all my experience. But that first property, I mean, that conscious, unconscious. I mean, a lot of guys I meet want to be in real estate, want to invest, want to start a fund, want to raise money. And I, there, everyone, my, one of my investors in my company, I got to take a step back. I did this investor questionnaire. And I was like, oh, give me a quote that represents your life or your belief system. He brought up Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. Boom. That was it for me. I mean, gut check. I mean, here I am, 20-something, then I turn 21, and I'm nights and weekends, Friday night I'm trash, Saturday I know I got to go to this house because I got money tied up, and I got to be on the roof cleaning the gutters, or I got to be gutting the inside, or I got to be sweeping. I mean, I was trying to save money, bootstrap it, hustle, and I was just in over my head, and it was just, it was a, it was a gut check. Like, do I really want to be doing this? Do I really want to be a landlord? I have a woman moving in with her sons, and the house is not done. Her sons are big adults. I'm scared. Like, this is a real responsibility. It was scary. Got really real. Yeah. I, mean, I, I got to tell you guys, as whoever's listening to this right now, um, before actually getting on this interview with John, John actually took a call, and the way he answered the phone was like this. This is John. It was really nice. And then he goes, so do you want the house or not? Oh, I mean, literally, man. literally. He goes, you want to buy it or not? And it was... I mean, you were just all fucking business, dude. Yeah. And I find this interesting because, you know, we, we get into, I actually read something you wrote about being a solopreneur. Yeah. Solopreneur? Right? Yeah, solopreneur. Solopreneur. And one of the interesting things, talk about cutting out all of the bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Is, you know, you, you had written this article because you, you write a lot. And it was uh, talking about creating value for clients. And then you would listed things like you doing coffee meetings and yeah. golfing and all this type of yeah. stuff. And you quit You quit all this bullshit out of your life. You, you don't do this. Like you're yeah. just straight, like you're buying the house or you're not buying the house. I mean, this is like a lot of the, these things yeah. are on TV like that. But tell me I, a little bit more. It, it doesn't start that way in the beginning. So what's weird, going back to now, the humbleness of trying to learn from my father. Um, I used to set up all these meetings, meetings in the office, meetings, meetings, meetings. I knew I needed to build my network. I think as a millennial or as a young guy who's in a different generation, we have different expectations from our parents. So initially, I'm setting up meetings to network, to talk business. In my father's view, is spinning wheels. You know what I mean? This doesn't make money. At the end of the day, all that matters is how much money you have in the bank. Here you are spinning your wheels, taking up valuable time where you could be executing. Anyway, it wasn't until getting past the first deal, going through you know the process of doing multiple deals, and needing money and having to raise an investment fund 
then you start to do things that don't make sense. So you get a call from a buddy. He says, hey, I got a buddy. He's coming in town. He's an investor. We just got to go to a fancy restaurant, schmooze the guy. He's wanting to look at deals. You start to do things that don't pay and with the hope and the prey that, oh, my God, if we do this, if we go to this coffee, we're going to get a deal. If we go to dinner, we're going to get a deal. If we wine and dine, we're going to get a deal. The truth is those guys with money, they have money. They'll give you the deal regardless if you wine and dine them and are fancy. So, you know, for it only in hindsight later on have I recognized that if you want to quantify the, the amount of money you'll lose taking a, a sit-down coffee, I'm not saying coffee is all horrible. I mean, I love coffee. But if you're not at a place where you're pro productive and producing, coffee is just not even on the table. It's not something you should be doing. You don't have time to network when you don't have any money. You know, so for me, I just, I, I, I need money. I can't be broke. I have to produce. And and I'm no longer willing to just, there's a lot of people who want to play business and entrepreneur. I've heard this a lot from a lot of other big guys. And it's the truth. I mean, when you're honestly genuine, trying to make your living, trying to make your business work, trying to make money, there's a lot of guys who will just, you know, it's the bait and switch or it's the Wizard of Oz and you don't have any money. And I'm like, I'm, I just wasted how much time with you? I agree. I actually, you know, this is something else I did. I did a lot more recently is I cut back my meetings a lot. In fact, I tried to set up my meetings only on a couple of days a week yeah. because so many of these things were just bullshit. If people yeah. want to do something, they just put their foot down and they just drive it and they yeah. do it. Um, you know, I, I always use this, uh, this example with, uh, Dana White was talking Dana mm. White from the UFC about how, you know, the deals either going to get done or it's not going to get done. And that's the thing. I mean, you can sit there and try and figure it out why an investor didn't do it. But a lot of people do. They just walk around. They just waste your time. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this: for a for a young strapping entrepreneur, please. You're 26 now. You've done 26. really good. Let me ask you this because people are probably wondering: please. Are you putting some cash away? And you got to be making some bank right now. I, you're flipping. Shit. I I am now. You know, it was intentional in the beginning. I was ball in. I mean, I was going to New York. I was getting suites. I was getting fancy clothes. I mean, I mean weekends. North of seven figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, six, six, six. Not seven. Not seven. Seven's a million. Yeah, six. Six. Yeah, I'm not at the seven. But when you're 20 year old, you're making that kind of cash. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, so it's, yeah, I know now, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, damn. Like, you know, yeah, I've had a lot of opportunity, but I was real. That was the beginning of it, is I was real, I was true, I was passionate, and I've continued to produce. But, you know, I actually intentionally decided that I wanted to, I wanted to settle down, I wanted to get consistent, I wanted to have a future, a wife, you know, a life, blah, blah, blah. And I realized I couldn't keep going at the rate I was going. I was just spending and having fun. So I actively, you know, seeked out a financial advisor, financial planner, and just was like, look, I gotta get on a path. I gotta like save money, I gotta store money, I gotta have an IUL and be legit. Like, So, I mean, you talk a lot about money, and I just want, I yeah. mean, you, again, like we're just talking straight cash now, just yeah. straight cash, okay? I and mean, this is what you've been focused on sure. a lot. Dude, how many people at the age of 26, 30, 40, 50, have like, they don't even have two pennies to scratch <sighs> together, right? They just don't. And you're just like this straight kind of driving business guy, right? You get into real estate, you're doing well now, you got a fiance, right? Yeah, I'm kids, engaged, okay. no kids. Give listening entrepreneurs a little bit of advice. If you're going to tell them two or three different things, would be two or three different things you would give to tell somebody. So at, at, at this age, okay. at this point in life. I mean, so really this age, I'm gonna something. I'm gonna do three. One, I'll take straight out of my father's book. I I don't want this intention to be taken the wrong way, but it's the truth. At the end of the day, all that matters is how much money you have in the bank. I'll say it one more time. At the end of the day, all that matters is how much money you have in the bank. Popularity, being cool. Oh my God, this guy has this position. We're going to this party. Who gives a damn? How much money do you have? Your money. Um, don't waste time. You know, it's it's difficult 
to be productive because we do a lot of things. You know, in New York, we used to call it a flapper. Someone who just ran around his mouth and just talked, 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 and he just flapped. You know, you got to be productive. You got to just execute. You got to block your time. You got to discipline yourself. I mean, that's unheard of and it's difficult, but you got to do it if you really want it. And then I'd say number three is that the money is out there, the people are out there, the resources are out there. You're just probably not ready. So whenever you are ready, you'll get your first dollar. You'll get your first investment. You'll get your first sale. You'll get, your, you'll get the money. But you, I, I had to be, I was at a point where I was just so ready for it that I just, I literally attracted so much of it. I just attracted so much of it. It was, I mean, and so you, I mean, and and the thing is like, you're like a really nice guy, but you're a very stern business person. I mean, where is the line between being nice and just like, do you think nice gets you somewhere? Because I, you know, you got two different philosophies. You got nice guys finish last. Yeah. And you've got, oh, you know, the power of being nice. True. And and these are both really, you know, the power of being nice is almost like inbound marketing. Like, I'm going to be really nice. Goodwill. Goodwill. Yeah. And then you got these guys that are like, fuck this shit, dude. I want my dollar. I take my money first. I take my cut. And they're just like, go, go, go. And I've seen, I seen both systems work. Yeah. But what's your philosophy? What's my... I'm blended. I'm definitely blended. But I, I... Nice guys get walked all over. I was a nice guy for a long time. They walked all over me. Actually, right now, a lot of people think I'm horrible. I'm mean. I'm rude. I'm bl- Until they get to know me, we talk, and they realize I have high integrity. I have high morals. I have high standards. I have high values. So... I'm not here to reach into your pocket and try to take what you have. I can get what I want. But, you know, I'm not here to put other people down or to just undermine or step on the little guy. Now, I'm shrewd at this point because I need to make money. So even early on, you know, as a as a 21, 22-year-old landlord, I mean, after a few deals, you get tenants who are older than you. And they want to teach you a lesson. They want to, you know, stick it to you. Why did you decide to live in my house? You know, I, 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 yes, I rented to you, but you want to teach me a lesson. You're living in my house. Like, there's no lesson you can teach me. I should teach you a lesson. So I'd say there's a point where you have to stop being nice and start getting real. Don't be mean. Don't be aggressive. Don't be rude. But, you know, keep it legitimate. And I think for me, it's just like you have, people have to know that they can't push you over. I'm not saying, you know, you know, go out swinging. But, you know, in business, you know, my attorney said it before, you know, my first company and I was in buyouts and everything else. He was like, John, if you get in bed with sharks, they get hungry. They eat. So you're either going to be a shark or you're going to get eaten. Decide. And I wasn't going to get eaten. I mean, these guys thought they were smarter than me and, you know, bigger than me, older than me, have more money than me. Your firm is like, I'm just relentless. You're not going to beat me. <laughs> I'm not going to be eaten. So you talk about, um, I checked out your website. Please. Actually, you have two websites. You have yes. one called centralohiopropertyexchange.com. Correct. Okay. And you have another one, which, which I found particularly fascinating, which is called Life. Liberty and property life, and being and like an end, right? And life, liberty and property.com. And now I mean, we're talking about cash. We're just talking about straight, like flat out. Who's got the fucking most money? When's yeah. your opinion? Okay. Whose balance sheet is bigger? Whose balance sheet is bigger? Period. This is like your philosophy. That's but it. On your site, you talk about living life of purpose. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about the concept of, of this purpose and this contribution and finding your, your sort of path. And how do you relate this to money? Because they, they always feel like mm. two different things. You know, this, this seems like there's some sort of like cross contamination here. Yeah, there there can be, but it doesn't have to be. So, I, first thing I'll say is, even with real estate, no matter what it is, you can make money doing anything. You can make money doing anything. So, I honestly love and am passionate about real estate, buildings, physical space, environments, creating and controlling neighborhoods, shaping neighborhoods, influencing neighborhoods. So that's that's the first thing. 
Um, living life on purpose. Everything I'm doing is intentional. First, I want to take a step back. Life, liberty, and property. The Constitution, the Founding Fathers, John Locke, everyone, it was life, liberty, and property before it was the pursuit of happiness. Jefferson decided, hey, we're going to pivot. We're going to make it about happiness. No. The old guys, the Founding Fathers, they wanted property. They wanted ownership. They wanted tangibles. So, you know, for me, I was really attached to that because it, it's just, it's, it's the truth. I mean, tangible is where it is. But living life on purpose, there's a lot of people who are just... They're either they can't they can't they haven't been able to 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 clamp on and hold their passion, or they're just like going with the wind, you know. I mean, they're just whimsically floating and being pushed, or they're 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 following the crowd. I mean, you know, there's a level of intention for me, and I'm using money as a way to quantify that intention and quantify that that um, that end result because. It's not about the money, but the influence and where I'm from Haiti. Once again, I'll bring it back up. I want to go and develop. I don't want red tape. I don't want to deal with bureaucracy. I don't want to ask you to donate. I just want to go and develop the right product for the market that I believe is there. And I don't want to second guess it. So for me, I have to be extremely diligent, intentional, and serious about what I'm doing just to capture my, to achieve my goals. I just said it, you know, if you do it and once you're ready, the world's going to open up. So even that call... You know, these people are thinking we're just trying to flip this house. I really want to buy this house and live in the house. And and I'll say it, I think it's this one guy who's mad that we have more money and he's in the transaction and he's it's, he's cock blocking. And later on, we're going to come back and we're going to not get him, but we're going to do the appropriate measures to, to say, hey, you haven't done the right duty by us, your fiduciary duty, but you just, you know, you got to go after what you want and you got to be strict. Interesting. So I'm going to ask you, I want to rapid fire please, three things. Please, please, please. Three different things. Number one is bio-rent. One more time. Bio-rent. 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 Bio right now, there's all of these apartment complexes going up. Would buy. you even consider renting an apartment right now? The okay. product is crap, most of it. Buy. Always buy. It's, it's, it, the problem is I understand millennials want to move and want to leave. Your purchasing power here is worth more than any coast. Columbus in the next five years is going to boom, and the prices are going to keep increasing. Rent is going to keep booming. We're an insulated economy, education, meds, institutions, healthcare, finance. We're not, we're not going to fail. Um, right now, if you look at the chance to have a nest egg and get your piece of the pie, this is it. Otherwise, pick 10 years and pick a new city that's smaller. So buy. Really? Um, the developers are putting a lot of great product out there. That's just to confuse you. I mean, there's a lot of people who should rent, but for those who have the capacity, you need to buy something, and you need to just sit on it for a little bit and just make some money. So let me ask you this. I drive around Columbus. I moved to Columbus a while back. I moved from England, right? Okay. And I moved to Columbus. Columbus was just kind of like whatever at that time. Mm -hmm. I believe it is now the 14th largest city in the United States. 15th. 15th, right? Mm -hmm. Columbus, though, I believe is the first or second fastest growing city right now in the U.S. Yeah. Around like Austin, Texas, I think. Maybe Austin a second. Right? Columbus is in Austin. If you look at Columbus and Austin, not only are there sister cities and dynamics of economies, but Austin is Columbus five to ten years ago. I mean, same UT Austin, big school, 50,000, like Ohio State, same economy, same kind of company, same Fortune 500, same millennials who are populating. We are Austin, Texas, before Austin was cool. My fiance is from Austin, went to grad school in Austin, and she lived the Austin party, and Columbus is just a little older version, but it's the same thing. It's just Columbus is doing the work Austin did already. All right, so 
I also think Columbus is really on the map. I'm seeing the progressiveness. Like every single place I drive, there's all these complexes being put up. The roads yeah. being rebuilt. Like it's insane. Yeah. So right now is a good time to buy. You think? You think in the next five years? I think by 2020. I mean, well, 2020, you're gonna realize it's a competitive city. By 2025, you need money. At that point, it's pricey. It like so, Chicago, New York. Yeah, not sure. Yeah, I mean, it could be just expensive to right. to the price where over the last three years, I've been here six years now. Over the past three years, you've seen the gastropub, the craft beer, the microbrewery. Right. That's a new concept. It's not new, but it's a new concept in Columbus. Right. So there's all these kind of normalized big city things that Columbus is just now experiencing, and and it's almost new sense of a renaissance. But you have to pay for that renaissance. So we're getting familiar with paying, you know. Seven, eight, nine, ten dollars for a beer, for a mixed drink, right. for the right. ambiance, for the gastropubs, for the the beer garden, you know, establishments, for the new amenities of the complexes. We're not used to it. So then we're going to be able to say, yeah, that's good, but it's there's this one better. So you know, I just think as the market matures and as the product stabilizes, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna experience the price increase. Interesting, love it. So earlier you said to me, quote unquote when I first met you today, mm -hmm. you don't chase bad money. You don't yet. allow bad money in life. What do you mean by that? So there's a lot of money out there. I've taken a lot of it. Um, and I'll say there's good and bad money. The reason I exited my first company is because I took on bad money. Not because I wanted to leave very what do you mean soon. bad money? Like define this. So, so you talk about bad money. People say, oh, it's like drug deals. No, right? so I'm not taking from drug investors. dealing. I'm taking, okay. It, and it's more so than just shitty investors. It's, um, it's, Taking money, not that you don't need it. It's that there's there's good money in the sense that you have you have patient investors and investors that agree on terms and they're okay with the vision, the mission, and going down a path. And then you have another type of investor who will get what get on board just to get on board to begin to try to steer the ship or rock right. the boat. So it's no different in equities or the stock market when you hear about mergers, acquisitions, and you know you have a shareholder come on and you know now he wants to start advocating for changes in management and shifts in business. You don't have. I mean, you don't have any. You do all your stuff yourself. No investors, no business partners, really. Like you are like one man show. You like it that way. You buttoned up. Well, at this point, fast. I mean, I you know, I, for property exchange, we have. Um, I brought on one of my other OSU buddies as a co-founder to grow it. But in terms of taking on outside capital to grow the business, bootstrapped and out of pocket. So I'm no longer, you know, I started that way. I've gone back to it. I, I, I ran the investment money. And at this point, for scale, for growth, until we are so valuable, we're we're the biggest dick swinging, it doesn't make sense to take on more money. I gotcha. We, your I website can, you have right now, um, which is your actual like real estate site, is Central Ohio Property, Property Exchange. Exchange. And, and what makes this site different? Because you're, you're saying it's more local, right? So it's it's more so the first thing is Central Ohio has, has no local authority in real estate but us. Right. So when you look at how do you localize an economy, how do you become like a key stakeholder, how do you know what's going on at the neighborhood level? There's, there's no site in terms of the real estate market to really become an insider, to network with people. To It's deal-oriented where you can look at listings or you can negotiate back and forth directly with a contact. There's just no site out there that's doing it. So for us, this is not johndelia.com and it says my name and I'm the founder. It really, you would never even know outside of this interview. And the point is to just facilitate the market growth. So as a New Yorker, if I want to bring my buddies and their money to Columbus, I'm going to tell them, go to Property Exchange and look at the main page and look at the listings we have. You can buy a house for $72,000. You can buy a house for $55,000. Buddy, your BMW sitting in the garage in New York, you know, is that price. 
So the, the money is the same. The purchasing power is different. So the property exchange for us is really making it easy to, easier to market the economy and market what's going on in the real estate market for, for anyone, local or national. But it's just one place to start where then we send you back out. So we'll provide the resources. We don't want to hoard, but we just want to make it the key place to go and start. Excellent. John, I got to tell you, for, the, for those guys that are listening to this on iTunes right now, Dude, this is a very busy man. Like, his phone's fucking blown up. <laughs> I've seen his phone going off probably about 15 times already and since we started this interview. So I'm going to ask you this last question, John. What makes you the best at what you do? Why are you the best? I am so hungry and thirsty and curious for knowledge and education that I, I continually, we talked about evolving and adapting, I am evolution on steroids. I mean, I just see it, I mimic it, and I get better, and I iterate. You know, so for me, I've taken my little bits of experience, and whether it's internships or companies, or even being the insider of a lot of big companies, and I've been able to just mimic, iterate, and produce the same standard, if not better. So what makes me the best is just, I, you know, in terms of the, curious, I mean, the, the curiosity and the thirst for knowledge and education, I just, you can't beat me. I am so smart that investments in real estate is not just about, oh, what's about the property? We might talk about philosophy. We might talk about Nietzsche. We might talk, it doesn't matter. Like, let's, you want to talk about the New Yorker and last week's oh, article? Yeah. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll, we're, we're going to vibe intellectually first, and then we can move it to wherever it needs to go. I love that you believe in evolution. I've always said so, this. You know. Passion only gets you so far. Evolution really keeps you going yeah. because you constantly can sort of reignite the passion. Everyone listening out there, thanks for tuning in. I'm with John Delia, LifeLibertyAndProperty.com, and also check out the CentralOhioPropertyExchange.com. As he just quote unquote said, his evolution on steroids. I really like. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate it being thanks here. so much. Thank you very we'll much. We'll definitely check it out.